Welcome to Outside Perspective, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. All right. I'm so glad you guys decided to join me on this one. Have a great episode for you today. I say that every time. They can't all be great, but uh, this one really is. So before I get to my guest, let me first get a couple things out of the way. Housekeeping. If you could, please help me out. If you're getting value out of this podcast, do me a favor. Go tell a friend. Share it. Tag it. Like it. Leave a five-star rating and review. Um, comment. Do all of these things. It helps grow the podcast. It helps spread the the message, the awareness, you know, I'm just trying to change perspectives, you know, one episode at a time and just show everybody, you know, there's a different way to look at the world. So help me do that by sharing this. Thank you guys so much. All right. Also, go check out my buddy Justin Bricker's podcast, The Why Not Podcast. Um, He's working his ass off. He's sitting down with some amazing people. He's having some awesome conversations, and I think you will like it. He has a little bit of a different flavor and flair to him than me, so um, go check him out, The Why Not Podcast with Justin Bricker. Now, this episode is brought to you by my brothers over uh, I guess my brothers and my sisters, my friends, my family, everybody over at Jumbo Superfoods. You can go to jumbocbd.com. You can check out their full line of CBD products. Now, if you don't know what CBD is, it is cannabidol, one of the many compounds found in the cannabis plant. Let me put your fears at rest. No, you will not get high. No, you will not fail a drug test. I know those are two very serious concerns for a lot of people who are, uh, you know, I know a lot of people that are seeking relief um, from pain, from anxiety. They want help sleeping and they don't know where to turn. And CBD is a very real uh, uh, option for them, you know, to find this relief. But they have this fear um, of losing their job, of of, uh, of becoming high, and they don't want that feeling. So rest assured you will not experience that, but what you will experience oftentimes is relief. You will be helped. So go check out all of these products. You can go to jombocbd.com, check out their full line. Again, I love their bombs. They have a lip balm and a muscle balm. I love them both. Um, by far their lip balm is one of the best on the market, if not the best on the market. Uh, it makes my lips feel amazing. Personally, I actually, my whole life have gotten fever blisters and there's been a couple of times where I've kind of felt them maybe coming on because I don't know, my immune system was weak or whatever the case may be. I, you know, I'm diligent with the muscle but or with the lip balm, especially the seat, you know, this five milligram, uh, CBD lip balm from Jumbo. And, uh, you know, ever since I switched to that, it's been game changing. It, it, it stops them dead in their tracks. Or one time I actually did get a, a fever blister and I used that to treat it instead, or actually within combination of another medicine, uh, the Abriva lip balm shit. And, uh, you know, I used them both and it, it worked phenomenally. So, I love this lip balm. I love the muscle balm. I love all of their products. You know, the 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 spray, the cinnamon spray, I put it in my coffee. Um they're they're all amazing. So go go check out their products. You can go to jombocbd.com, use the code outside at checkout and you will save 20% off your entire order. So again, jombocbd.com use the code outside at checkout and you will save 20% off your entire order 
All right, my guest today is Adam Marburger. Adam is a fucking mover and a shaker. He's here in the St. Louis area, and I've known about Adam for a little bit, um, you know, because of the jujitsu community. He and I are both purple belts in the jujitsu community. He's been around for a long time competing, um, but he's a very positive personality. So, you know, we've been connected online for some time now. Um, I've been, you know, aware of what he's doing in, in his space. You know, he's in real estate. He's in the automotive industry. He used to promote fights. Um, he's a very positive person. He's just out there getting it done. And these are the type of people that I like to have in my circle. These are the type of people that I like to associate with. And these are the type of people that I want to bring um I wanted to bring to the forefront to you guys. I want you guys to hear these conversations, you know, because he is a very successful person, and um, you'll hear, you know, in the conversation that uh, even though you may reach success or you know what is viewed as a certain level of success by other people, you know, we're all still trying to get better, and you know, we all have our failures, and Adam will actually talk about some of those. So this is a very powerful uh, conversation, and I think you guys, if you are really listening and looking for the um, the lessons in here, you will learn a lot and you will gain a lot and it will help you take you to the next level 100%. So uh, without further ado, uh, this was an excellent conversation with Adam Marburger. All right, Adam Marburger. I said that correctly, didn't I? Yes. I always question myself. Do you ever do that when you meet somebody? Absolutely. <laughs> but I just own it now. And I found like um, since I've changed the way I think about it, I used to always tell myself I'm bad at names. I quit saying that. Like I'm always telling myself like I'm getting better at learning names. Mm-hmm. So uh, The key to that is saying their name multiple times. Like say it. Like when somebody says your name, nice to meet you, Adam. Yeah. Okay. So Adam, where, where are you from? Where did you grow up, Adam? Yeah. Say it a couple times, boom. Yeah. I'll even take a pause and I'll like really like look at them in their face and like, all right, I need to like, and yeah. And this, like, Eye contact yeah. and genuinely trying to connect will allow you to, to remember that stuff. Yeah. I've gotten a thousand times better at names. It, it was blowing me away. Imagine here, you know how our students, right? You get new people. Like, oh, they come to the, the gym. Time, I'm man. like, oh, there's times I go look at the sign-in sheet just to make sure because they told me their name. I didn't say it back. I didn't talk to them long enough. Yeah. I have to go back and look at the sign-in sheet so I remember their name. Yeah. Oh, That's man. horrible. It's just, dude, it's just part of being a human, though. None of us are perfect. Yep. Man, bro, so you just got off the road um, straight in from Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. Man, you're, on, you're just moving and grooving. Virginia up to Chicago, from Chicago to St. Louis yesterday. So I've been running a little bit. Yeah. And so what are you doing while you're there? So I'm helping dealers put together wealth strategies um, in their uh, F&I departments, help them um, optimize profits, basically, is what I do. Okay. What does F&I mean? So it's finance and insurance. When you go to a car dealership and when you agree on a price and you want to like complete the transaction, mm-hmm. you go into the finance office. So they take care of all the legal paperwork. Uh, they arrange the financing, if any, uh, and they, uh, they offer products and services that you may or may not need, depending on your situation. Yeah. So my company... Uh, you know, we, we actually insure those products. We place those products in the dealerships and then they sell them. Oh. And, then, and that's where the dealer the dealer makes uh, more revenue in that department than any department in the store. Yeah. Because in that insurance business, they, uh, and I don't want to get too deep into what reinsurance is, but uh, they actually take the risk okay. from the, the warranty provider. And they set up an offshore account either in Bermuda, Turks and Caicos. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you're, the, the wealth is sent over there. 
and it's taxed at a 15% capital gains rate opposed to an income tax. So oh. that's where dealers are, are they, they park their money over shore, offshore. Oh, really? Yeah. So we set those we set those funds up. We help form those companies, and then we manage those. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's an interesting um, business model. Yeah, yeah man. Um, and you're super passionate about it. Love it. I've done it my whole life. Yeah, yeah, man. What got you into the auto industry? Accident. I was uh, on spring break at, at <laughs> Panama City Beach. <laughs> I was 18 years old. I was working at a restaurant. Yeah. And I came back in town. And the owner, a good friend of mine, his name's Gordon, he said, hey, we're closing the restaurant. You don't have a job. I said, what do you mean you're closing the restaurant? He's like, yeah, you're coming with me. Uh, you're coming with me to my dealership. I was like, whoa, no way. I'm not, what do you mean your dealership? I'm not going to no car dealership. Yeah. So he wanted me to come sell cars. And I'm like, I'm not selling cars. It feels so sleazy, right? I, mean, I did back then. It's just I, like a used car dealer. Yeah, I just did not. Yeah. Even an ounce of me wanted to. So... I made a deal to work as a cleanup guy. I was like a porter. You know, I cleaned up detailed cars. I did whatever people told me to do. Now, I made friends with everyone in sales. I was just super friendly, yeah. hanging out with them. And then they said, you need to sell cars. You'll make a lot of money. So then I, 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 I stepped into selling cars. And mm -hmm. instantly, because I love people and I love communicating, and it instantly was just a fit. I ended up dropping out of college uh, because of my success in sales, and I just I, I never looked back after that. Really? Yeah. How long? Would, how long did you go to college for? Two years, and I had one class left to finish my associates. Yeah. And I just didn't want to take the time to do it. Hey, man, I can dig it. Well, the thing about that path is, it's really a lie. Um, it's good for for some, right? But it's at least growing up in this area, we were taught it's like you have to do this or else you'll be a loser. Like, at, were, were, did you face? Did you Agreed. face those? Yeah. I mean, those here comments or anything like Adam, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, and here. Uh, I posted something about this this morning that, you know, an education will definitely get you a job, yeah. but work ethic will make you wealthy. And, you know, it, I'm going to teach my kids and I'm going to actually, you know, encourage my kids to go to college. I think it's great education. I think you pick up stuff, but it's not going to make sure you're successful in business. 100%. Getting a college degree is not going to put you on the top, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so I do, going back to what you said, is it being a lie? Yeah, I kind of feel it was. I think that the, the status quo of working, getting a good job, you're going to have a white, you know, white house with a white picket fence, everything's going to be good. That's bullshit. That yeah. is total bullshit. Right. I mean, well, the, the facts of the matter is you, know, you only have like a 50% chance of actually working in the field that you got your degree in. So it's like, I mean, 50-50 odds with your degree. I mean, you could go out and, and build your own, you know, your own business or your own, like, uh, whatever it is that you want, you can go build it. You yes, know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. Yeah. I saw something the other day. It said um, they'll allow an 18-year-old to enter into, like, $200,000 worth of student loan debt, but they won't give them a $20,000 business loan. Yes. I thought that was that was super interesting. Yeah, and I've got friends that have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt, and it's, I mean, it's that's a tough deal, getting your degree, yeah. going out on your own, and you got a couple hundred thousand dollars to pay back. Yeah. And maybe you make 70 grand with your degree at that point. Yeah. How, how long is that going to take? Who knows? And then you want to buy a house and pay that off? Yeah. It's, 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 it's tough. Yeah, yeah. But uh, sales, dude, I mean, that's really where it's at. It's one of the industries, if not the industry, that creates the most wealth for people. Absolutely. You know, uh, I think of sales and then real estate, which, I mean, there's obviously a sales component there, too. Absolutely. Yeah, the real estate is the financial engine that pulls my train. Uh, real estate is my foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, car business is my passion and love, but real estate is what's allowed me to have flexibility with my life. I walked away from my job because of real estate, but sales in general, there's nothing uh, more incredible because you get what you put in 
the sky's the limit, and you can literally go out and grow some real wealth in the sales. Industry. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, so walk me through your timeline a little bit. You you started selling cars. Yes. How long were you in the sales industry before you actually made so transition to real estate? Sold, sold cars for uh, a couple of years, uh, 1999 to 2001-ish. Okay. Um, I always knew in sales that I wanted to be a, a business manager, finance manager at the store because those guys wore suits every day. They had nice watches and yeah. they just, you could just, they were doing well financially. And I just kind of looked up to them. So I knew then that's what I wanted to do. Okay. And I pushed and pushed until I got an opportunity. Uh, I got an opportunity at 21. I kind of blew it. Back then I used to party and I used to act like an idiot. And I went out on a Friday night. And I stayed out a little too late with one of my, my roommates. Yeah. And I was going to get promoted that Saturday to finance. And I came in and my sales manager was mad because I was a few minutes late. He could tell I wasn't feeling good. And he just didn't give me that promotion, which I'm glad that happened. I mean, I, that's what it deserved to be, right? Yeah, you didn't show up. It didn't show up. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. But a couple months later, he said, all right, it's time. So he put me in. I was 22 years old. I got put in that office and uh, instantly fell in love. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that feel? I mean, you... 22 years old, like you're a leader now in, in your space. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, did it feel weird having, because there's definitely some people that um, are underneath you now that yeah. are, you know, you're way younger than. Yeah. Probably maybe even a little I bit was, yeah. I was a very, very, very young manager. Yeah. And I had, you know, my sales staff was older than me. And, and to be honest, looking back, I laugh. I was cocky. Yeah. I was immature. I was selfish. Um, you know, those things now changed, but that's what it was then. Yeah. Nobody could tell me anything, making too much money, yeah. uh, doing whatever I wanted to do, living a life that I wouldn't recommend people live. Uh, and <laughs> so, balling. but I learned yeah. from all that. Now it's, I'm a completely different manager than I was then. I'm a leader. I'm not a manager. Yeah. Back then though, I was just all about myself, yeah. but opportunity early. And, uh, I definitely took advantage of that. Yeah. So you just made a very important statement, right? You're a leader, not a manager. Yeah. Why don't you tell the difference? Well, here's that. the difference. Like here, you know, uh, the guy that finishes the race first, the guy that finishes and crosses the the race, the, the finish line first, is that guy a winner or not? Or is the guy the winner that grabs a group of people and they finish together? So I learned that, you know, that we are definitely better together. So learning how to intimately connect with your team and grow together, yeah. that's what it's all about. When you get somebody that does not want to disappoint you, that's when you know you're you're peaking into leadership. You're really peaking into leadership when you get people that just don't want to let you down. Yeah. That's where it starts. Right. Yeah, man, and, and that's important, right? I mean, what's that saying? If you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. Exactly. Um, it really does take a team uh, to, to build success. That's really one of the things that I've really focused on is just building that community and that network and just you know, putting together a team for success, man. Um, what were some of those early lessons uh, for you? Um, the, some of the early lessons, um, well, as far as financially speaking, um, I didn't respect and honor money, you know. So um, I used to spend lavishly. I didn't do some of the appropriate things in my early 20s that I should have done. Yeah. Um, so looking back, uh, now that I got into, you know, we'll talk real estate in a minute, but but yeah. I I should have been putting more money in real estate earlier. Okay. But I was blowing it, having fun. So looking back, you know, here in my early twenties, and everybody could say, "Oh, you're just a kid," you know. But still, uh, I wish I would have changed a few things and done a few things differently before twenty five. Yeah. But then, 100%. but then after that, I started really getting in, involved in real estate. Okay. So yeah, what was that transition like for you in the real estate? So uh, one of my mentors, who's uh, my best friend, his name's Ali Kitchell. 
he was my sales manager at uh, the Nissan store that I worked at. Okay. And, you know, he, he kept telling me, here, I can show you how to retire just in real estate. And I just kind of started, he trained me, and I started buying one house. I started buying another house. And I just kept buying and buying these properties right, uh, putting them back out on the marketplace, renting them, making a couple hundred bucks, that tenant paying off that house in 10 years. So Ollie literally pushed me into the real estate market, and I didn't look back. Okay. So, okay, you started with your first house. What 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 makes it the right house? So, I fell in love. My sweet spot is Brick Ranches in Godfrey. Uh, there was a period of time where I didn't have a ton of competition. Now, everybody wants to flip a house. Like, people watch HGTV. And, like, <laughs> everybody Every, wants to flip a house. Everybody's a pro because of oh, that. Oh, it's brutal. So, I have competition, a lot of competition now. But back then, it, I didn't have as much competition. So, any foreclosure that would pop up that I saw it was a brick ranch in Godfrey, Yeah, I bought it. Okay. I wanted it. So, I just kept buying these brick ranches with basements. Yeah. And I'd buy them. You know, 30, 40 grand. Oh, wow. Put 20 grand in them, rent them out for, you know, eight, nine hundred bucks a month. And I did the right thing by structuring 10 and 12 year loans, some 15. You know, a lot of people, they buy houses like, oh, let me just, let me make as much as I can. We'll stretch the loan out to 30 years, have a smaller payment, we'll make more money. But I was thinking big picture payday, not paycheck. So I said, all right, how do I get all these pieces of real estate, pay them down quickly? Yeah. And that's what Ollie pushed me to do. And so that's what we did. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in my mind, it makes sense to, I mean, to get that gone as soon as possible, like that loan, because then it, it becomes all profit. Absolutely. The magic is having a couple dozen properties, bring it in an average at 800 bucks a month and they're paid for. I mean, that's, you don't leave your house. You can make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year without leaving your house. Yeah. Yeah. My girlfriend and I, we've been getting into real estate. We just bought our first property. Good job. And um, yeah, the the plan was we were looking at places closer in the city. We're going to Airbnb it. Um, I feel like that's just a very interesting model. What do you think of that? I like Airbnb. We use, my wife and I use that service. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. you know, I, I, it's not my sweet spot here. If I had a property, we're looking, you know, like at Newport Beach. We're just in Newport, which I'm not buying a house there. But if I, we stayed in Airbnb, yeah. like on the Balboa Peninsula, those, those, a ton of those are Airbnb. Yeah. Like if I was somewhere on the coast in a high, highly tourist town or something like that, I would definitely do an Airbnb. You'd be surprised. We have a lot of tourism here in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah man. Um, also, I really want to get, we ended up buying a house like actually out here. We found a really good like short sale deal. Nice. Um, but, like multi-units. Do you have any multi-units? Oh, yeah. That's the magic. The yeah. magic is in the multi-units. Yeah. Uh, the best deal that Ollie and I have together is we have a building in Warden. It's a brick building. Uh, the local newspapers uh, in there. Uh, one of our tenants. We have a hair salon. One of our tenants. Uh, somebody else. I don't. This sounds crazy. I just don't go there very often. There's another tenant. But then we've got eight apartments above that. Yeah. Uh, we bought it real cheap. Mm-hmm. And it cash flows like a machine. And it's even got a coin laundry system, a couple hundred bucks in just quarters every month. And <laughs> it's the best piece of real estate. It's the best performing piece of real estate that we have. And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. The multifamily war, war is at. Definitely. Yeah, 100%, dude. So um, so brick seems to be your, your wheelhouse. I, Why brick? I've got here. That building just so happens to be brick. But yeah. my sweet spot used to be just brick ranches. I yeah. mean, I grew up living in a brick ranch. Uh, you know, I, I just... Those were available, and that's just what I bought. I think my first eight properties were all brick ranches. <laughs> but now I'm definitely here. I'll buy anything. I'll buy any piece of real estate as long as I, a I have the capital, b it makes sense, yeah, uh, and it cash flows. You know? Yeah. What do you think of uh, uh, wholesaling in, in real estate? You know, I mean, I know some people that are very successful with that. I yeah. mean, I'm I, I'm I'm all things real estate. I support anybody in every area of real estate. I just love all aspects of real estate. Yeah. 
that uh, it seems almost like a very like short sighted type of business model. Is that is that you think that's one of those yeah. like, quick hustle type? Yeah, deals? I think it's a quick hustle type thing. And I've got a buddy in the city uh, that that kind of does that, and he turns me on to some things. I've got some deals through him. Yeah, he's just trying to make a quick buck and move it quick. I mean, I get that. Right. Yeah, Grant Cardone totally uh, changed the way that I, I look at at real estate. He uh, he said you should you should rent where you live and like and just like own and like rent. I don't know. I can't remember. Exactly it's what he, he said. wants you to rent where you live and buy everything else because because yeah. Grant Cardone Grant. Well, he okay. He he when he made that statement, uh, it was because he was living in California. Yeah. And he left California to come to Florida because of the freaking taxes. Yeah. And he made he used to make the statements like here when you own a home. You're kind of stuck. Yeah. You know, you want to be mobile. You want to be able to leave tomorrow. And that's why he says that. Buy real estate everywhere, but rent where you personally live. Right. So you can you can move. And that's what Grant meant by that. Yeah, dude, that's just such a powerful statement because how many how many people are out there paying somebody else's mortgage? A lot. And I love my <laughs> tenants. And you know what? There's there's it's not it's there's not bad. It's ten, not. here. We need renters. A lot of people rent and, and a lot of people just don't want the commitment. A lot of people don't want to deal with the cleanup. What if their roof they so it's a good it's good for everyone. Yeah. Um, now from a business logistics standpoint, I'm gonna teach my daughters. Let's purchase real estate and rent out to other folks. I mean, I I wanna stay in the in the let's buy property. Yeah. One hundred percent, man. Um I feel like because I'm always preaching like like maybe uh you know, start your own business. Don't don't work the nine to five or or get into real estate. But at the end of the day, like it's okay to not like pursue this path. It's it's I'm I'm mostly talking to and you and you have a lot of positive messages and like you know how to get it done and, and different things. It's like I feel like we're mostly talking to the people like if you're unhappy with your life, like if you're if you're bitching about it, like then do something. Right? Do something about it. Right. Because here life's short. Uh, you know, here I, I lost my stepdad a couple weeks ago, and I started really thinking, like, what am I doing? Like, what is my end game? I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Then what? Yeah. So it's about doing what you love, and going all in. I mean, here there's so many people that have untapped potential. There's no shortage of great ideas. Yeah. There's a massive drought with action. 100%. People just don't take action. Yeah. So if you're unhappy with something, just change it yeah. or don't say anything about it. Keep it to yourself because a lot of people complain and just don't do anything about it. Uh, and Grant Cardone definitely instilled that in me back in 2007, uh, eight, And I would listen to him daily. I was a client of his. Um, I would listen to him preach in the mornings. And it's all about taking action. Take action. Massive action yields wealth. If you take no action, you get nothing done. Yeah. So that's what Grant instilled into me. Yeah, dude, 100%. It, it just takes action. I've had people ask me, man, like, uh, what or how, how did you start a podcast? I and, I don't really have an answer. I'm just like, I just did it. Like, I just decided, and then I did it. I've told so many people that. Like, it's just that simple. You make a decision, and then you go do it. Love it. <laughs> just figure it I out. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just do, You you just got to do it. Yeah. First few times, I'm sure you had some clunkiness. I'm sure, and then you could probably got into your groove, and now it's simple, 100%, right? 100%, man. So what were some of those, um, so when you when you got into real estate, I'm sure there was definitely some fumble, some some learning lessons. Oh, yeah. Um, could, would, do you have some that you could share for oh, yeah. somebody, I've, you know, when you get into real estate? I've definitely won more than I've lost, um, but I've lost. I've lost. I mean, here I bought a piece of real estate in Edwardsville that just I couldn't sell it. I just couldn't sell it, and it was a uh, a property that we had to just keep reducing the price. We ended up losing like nineteen grand on that, which that was a lesson. Um, but what I really learned 
and the most valuable lesson I have ever learned was make sure you know who's managing your property. Um, I had a company, I won't say their name, I had a company managing my real estate and I was focused on other businesses and I'm just out working. I wanted my, I didn't think I had to manage my management company. They're responsible for placing tenants, collecting debts, making sure my properties are sound. Well, I didn't do any of that. I mean, I, I literally, when, when it just started to domino effect, problem here, problem there, I lost in the tune of 80,000 bucks in, what year are we in? 2019. Uh, I lost 80,000 bucks in 2018. Uh, on, so on just a, last year. Yeah, yeah. It stung. But what, what Ali and I did was we made a decision. We fired them immediately, got rid of them. We were going to take these guys to court and try to, to you know, handle some of that. We just said, heck with it. It just wasn't even worth our time. We, we, we um, took our property back, and then we went through, and you know we had a lot of tenants that shouldn't have been living in our properties. They were placing tenants uh, that had three and four repossessions and should have drug charges, which are, that oh, wow. all these, I had criminals living in some of my property, and I just didn't know. Yeah, and uh, just some massive damage. So I learned, um, you gotta keep, you gotta stay on top of it. You need to check in with your management company. You need to at least. So we we're our property manager now. So now okay. we hired our own team. We've got our own construction crew. We've got our own property managers and leasing agents, and we handle our own. We That's don't. That's the move, right? Just go completely vertical. Absolutely. Absolutely, because yeah. we're paying them 10% off the top. Let's just pay ourselves 10%, and let's get it done right. 100%. So now we've got rains back on our property. So the that was one of the biggest lessons that I learned. I got crushed. Everybody wants to talk about, oh, my gosh, you, you made money on this deal. Now, I made – here, I just did a deal. I made 50 grand on it. It was a nice commission. But losing 80 grand taught me a lot more than that making that 50 grand ever will. That losing yeah. $80,000 stung. Dude, and that I was, shit hurts. It hurts. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of those things. Like even, it's it's less even with probably in like ten years, you'll still think about that eighty grand, yep. and you'll just be like, "Fuck, dude." I learned I learned a ton from that, yeah. and here I'm not Grant Cardone. I want to be Grant Cardone, right? I'm trying yeah. to be like Grant Cardone when 100%. it comes to you know building wealth, but but I'm not there. <laughs> so I'm far from there. But so eighty G's that's that was a big chunk of money, and it hurt. Yeah. You know, and then uh, on top of that, I my software company got hijacked by a partner that went rogue, and I, I'm, I'm it's a sixty thousand dollar loss. So I oh, took dude. an eighty thousand dollar hickey in real estate, and then about a sixty thousand dollar hickey in my software company. Um, which, uh, yeah, two thousand eighteen was a year of uh of growth, internal personal growth. Yeah, dude, those are lessons. Um, for sure, it, it's just all about how you respond, right? Because. You have some people who, what, you said 60 and 80, right? So that's $140,000, right? So you, you took that lesson, and you'll have that for the rest of your life. Some people will spend that on college and still have nothing from it. True. That's a good way to spend that. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Yeah, man. You just invested in your, in your education. I have become a much better business person after those two deals. I used to – I see the good in everyone because I just love people, and I want to give everybody a chance. But now – What's in the best interest for my family's empire? Like before I do a deal with somebody now, yeah. I got to know who you are, where you are. I freaking scrub people. If I'm going to do a deal with somebody, I got to know you. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going to business. I'm going to be so protective for the rest of my life because of those two scenarios that just yeah. happened to me. Well, dude, I mean, the people that you have in your environment and your circle matter, right? The people you do business with matter. So you're just auditing your circle, right? You don't, Absolutely. You don't want to do business with somebody who's not on the same wavelength as you. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're only as strong as your five, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah. yeah. Making sure that you're consistently auditing 
uh, who you're doing life with. And I do that on a consistent basis. I don't bring a lot of people real close to me anymore. I mean, here, with we talked about earlier being busy with jujitsu and all these things that we have going on. It's very, very difficult to juggle those. And then to allow somebody else to get close to you and take away time from your family, that's difficult. Yeah. Right? So I'm really protective on my inner circle. I mean, it's just a, I've got a tribe of people that get it done, and we, we grow together, and we work together. But I'm just very protective. Yeah, dude, 100%. I've, I've definitely had to, like, take an audit and just, just spend a whole lot less time with people. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah, like you said, love them from afar, man. Yeah, I was going to say, you can still love them. 100%. Just love them from a distance. I mean, you don't, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, sometimes life just takes you different directions, and that's okay. Um, I feel like people, out of some sort of sense of obligation, they'll still manage a bad relationship. True. And, uh, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's not fair to you to, to maintain that relationship. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, like you just said, some people do feel obligated. You, you feel an obligation. You've been friends with somebody for 15 years. Yeah. Let's continue to be friends with that person. And I'll tell you, I, I have a couple friends that I just love to death. Yeah. But they're not, we're not on the same, we're not rowing in the same direction. No, not We want anymore. different things. Yeah, that's okay. I'm trying to grow. Yeah. You know? Do it and at a rapid rate. Yeah. You do it. And that's, it's really, and I'm try, I, I try to be around people that make me uncomfortable. Like, I feel like I really have to step my game up. So whenever I was in LA, I got to spend quite a bit of time with uh, the Jumbo Superfoods guys. And man, like, they're just grinding and grinding and grinding. It just felt so good to be in that environment. It just made me want to work, work, work. Yeah. And I just, I realized, I'm like, man, you got to cut out the time stealers. You can't, you can't, I look at everything as like a time commitment. Like I don't even want to like watch fucking TV shows on like Netflix or anything because I'm like, you can see what the time commitment is now. It's like, it's like, this is 10 episodes, an hour, an episode, that's 10 hours of your life. Like I don't want to do that. And then if there's multiple seasons, who has that sort of commitment? I'm like, I could take that same amount of time and just cut the time stealer out and put it into work. (laughs) You can read. Yeah. Go for a run. Just something productive that's going to add value as opposed to these things that are just going to, you know takeaway agree with that you know uh my wife and i ditched uh cable about a year ago i never really watched it i mean here we got three daughters so i mean it's kind of comes in handy our kids watch some some stuff so we just have a fire stick now and there'll be a little my wife yeah. and i there's two shows that i just absolutely love um there's one it's this guy has a podcast called god friended me okay incredible uh incredible show but point being and then we watch uh ozark and that show's just awesome yeah it's a great show but, and it's nice to be able to reward yourself with a show when you've worked hard and you set out time and I structure my days like I know what I'm doing every hour yeah you structure your day and then when you want to reward yourself on the weekend with a little show or something like that that's when it's good yeah that's when you deserve it you You know you earn it there you go yeah yeah 100% man because it's so easy just to mindlessly be in this habit of where you just sit down on your couch every night and just watch multiple hours of TV my my mom and dad I love them They're, they're everything to me um that's all they do yeah. So my dad, my dad lives in front of the television, and 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 you know he spends a lot of time watching TV. And my mom, same thing. Her downtime, she loves to to watch TV. Yeah. I just cannot watch TV. I don't want it on. Dude, yeah, I don't. I just don't want. I don't want the distraction. I'd rather be. And and it, it almost brought, maybe to some people it sounds like a distraction. But I'd rather be on my computer working. You know Absolutely. what I mean? It's like I'm actually doing something there. And the things too, you know, these darn cell phones. Uh, they can be distracting. I mean, it's almost, you know with Facebook and your Instagram and your emails and all this stuff, you can run your business off your phone. Yeah. And I use Facebook. Facebook is not leisure. Facebook is strictly business. That's the thing, man. Yeah. And and the connections I have are real. Like I meet a lot of really cool people, authentic relationships I have online, just incredible relationships. Um, But it's work. 
Yeah. I look at Facebook. It's Facebook, in a way, is kind of my CRM. I mean, there's customers there. 100%. There's people that I want to do life with. I've met a couple dealers. I just met a dealer, uh, a dealer by the name of uh, Ken Cook up in northern Indiana. So, you know, me and him start chatting earlier in the year, and, you know, we, we went up. I hung out with him, and he said, bring your gi. <laughs> I look at his profile. The guy's a blue belt. The guy just dealer does jujitsu. So I I roll up and had a really cool meeting with him, and we went to his gym and trained. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, dude. That's a, that's a guy I want to do business with forever. That's a guy you know I respect. 100%. And it's just kind of cool we shared the mats together. Yeah, and it happened through social media. It happened through social media. Yeah. You know, dude, I've met so many cool people through Instagram. Um, just like I'll be traveling to a city. I'm like, hey man, you want to do a podcast? I'll reach out. We'll connect, and it all happened through Instagram or Facebook or something. Yeah, so it's just how you actually use the tool. Absolutely, because it can be an absolute waste of your time. It oh, can yeah. be a distraction, getting caught up into what checking everything. And in in, in in my industry, I support. Um, there's a couple elite business people that I support. One of which is her name's Lisa Copeland. Uh, Lisa is a, is a boss. I mean, she's a high level speaker. Uh, she has been in automotive. She's done a car dealership. But she's just an elite professional, and she has a show every morning. Yeah, and she's at six forty five, fierce. And and I make sure I want to be on that show. I, every morning I get into that show. And then there's a rising grind show, Glenn Lundy, and I'll I'll definitely introduce you to that guy. He's a stud. You okay. love following this guy, but he has a really cool show. But when you find all these people that have all these shows, now you're you're stuck. Not really stuck, but now you're committing sometimes two hours on all these shows online. It's very difficult to juggle all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can quickly get sucked in and spend a couple hours a day on Facebook if you don't watch what you're doing. Yeah, 100%, man. I used to listen to, I mean, I, I still I read and I listen to books um, through Audible. Yeah. And um, I, I, I still listen to podcasts. But since I started podcasting more, like I have less time to actually listen to those things. So it's like, man, you just really have to like pick and choose where you can like allocate your time. Agreed. And I try to chunk things. Um, so I, I'm not as good as it, as a good at it as I should be, but like, you know, I'll do like just these two hours are dedicated to like working the social this morning and then like get on to other things. Smartest thing you can do batching your work. Um, Tim Ferriss, uh, yeah. four hour work week. If you haven't read it, you should read it. Everybody should read that book. Excellent that book. book is about automation, uh, liberation. How do you get it done? Uh, and batching is unequivocally the most important thing you can do as a business per- person to get production. Um, if you don't batch, it's very difficult to get things done. So like you said, I'm going to spend two hours and I'm going to knock out Solskja. And then the next two hours, I'm going to, maybe I've got a podcast. So the next hour is a podcast. And maybe the next two hours, I'm at my gym. I'm going to train. I'm going to teach. And then the next hour after that, I'm going to read self-development. If you have that stuff batched out, that's because I can't get it done. If I don't batch for my gym and if I don't batch for real estate and if I don't batch for automotive and then I don't batch for family, if I don't batch for personal devotion, I can't. It's impossible. You have yeah. to batch. Yeah, dude, you're doing a lot of different things. Yes. Right. You have to. Um, I think one of the biggest takeaways I got from that book was I turned off all of my notifications. Yes. Like, yeah. Like so that there's no distractions because that red bubble to me, dude, I have to check it. Wait, I'm ADD. My ADD flares up constantly. Those stupid, I've taken them off to those stupid notifications. Yeah. It's yeah. brutal. Then you find yourself being a slave to your phone. 100%. When I wake up in the morning, rule number one, you don't look at your phone. You don't look at notifications. That that time is yours. Like yeah. you are not serving somebody else that first half hour. You're serving yourself. That yeah. that time's sacred. And if you get it, people get caught up. And because I was one of them. You get caught up and turn your phone on, plug in right into email. Plugging right into Facebook, looking at notifications, answering comments, and getting back to people. Yeah. Instant messenger. I mean, yeah. it, it can freaking drive you crazy. Now you wake up and you're serving other people immediately. 
you need to serve yourself first. That's the most important piece, and that's what I've learned. You yeah, know? yeah, dude. It's a, and I noticed. I feel like I could. I my I mentally feel different whenever I jump right onto like the phone as opposed to if like I take time and maybe I get some movement and I get my water and I actually take that time for self care. I read. Um, I feel mentally different. You know what I mean. I feel so much better whenever I Absolutely. don't jump right into the to the screen time. Amen to that. Yeah. I mean, if you can get up, I love. To get up and get my water, I get my water first thing. Twelve yeah. ounces, just real quick. Yeah, walk me through your. Yeah, whole yeah, yeah, little little water, and then you get your get your coffee going, right? Get your coffee ready to go, and then I go downstairs to my office because I hear. So we have a new. Not a, she's eight months old now. My my rhythm was on point. Then baby came. Yeah. So the things got a little choppy, but I'm I'm getting back into my groove. She's starting to sleep at night. Yeah, and there's a little more travel now, so it's a little harder. But wake up, get that water, get that coffee ready, go downstairs. You know, stretch a little bit. I do a little uh, little devotion. Every morning I do my devotion, and then I meditate. I meditate for, for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I'd love to do it more, but you know, my ADD flares up. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, meditation's hard. Oh, yeah. But you know, reading the four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss, I love you. If you <laughs> maybe Tim Ferriss listens to your stuff. You never know, Adam. Never Tim, know, thank you. So, so, so Let me see if I can get him when I'm in Austin. Yeah. So, so with that, you meditate, and then after that, it's on. I mean, it is on. I mean, you have really, you're ready to crush the morning. Mm -hmm. If you can consistently get up, and I love getting up at 5. 5 is my number. I mean, 4.30, maybe. 4.30 is tough. Yeah. 5 is just that number. I time. like to get up at 5 o'clock. time you go to bed? 10 to, 10 to 11, 10.30. If I see it 10.30, I'm kind of like, all right, let's, let's get to bed. But yeah. I'm bed before 11. Okay. So you usually get about six hours of sleep? Yeah, I try to get 6 to 7. That's my number. Okay. And I don't need, I don't need 8. I don't need 9. You know, yeah, six minimum. Yeah, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's four sleep cycles at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So you feel good off six. I feel good. I can handle it. Yeah. yeah. How do you drink your coffee? Black, bro. Yeah. Just I a Dunkin' Donuts original. There's no coffee ever. There's no coffee better than that. Yeah. So I just my Keurig Dunkin' Donuts original. Nothing in it. That's your jam. Yeah. <laughs> I can dig it, man. You um you said something earlier beforehand. We were talking about Grant Cardone. I want you to share it with other people. Yeah. Um, because it's it's a very pivotal time for you, right? Yeah. We share that story. Yeah. Yeah. So so Grant, uh, Grant is a guy that I've been following uh, for a really long time. So before Grant, Grant's pretty popular now. But yeah. a decade ago, Grant was popular, but not as popular. Now we we were clients. Our dealership, Auto Centers Nissan, we were clients of Grant Cardone. Uh, and so what we did, we used his software. This was a decade ago. This was a decade ago. And I would listen. So when I finally realized we're doing business with this guy, I just didn't really know who he was. Yeah. So I'd YouTube him every morning. And I would listen to him every morning. And uh, he changed my life. I mean, he he, he pushed me. Uh, listen to him speak. We speak the same language. Uh, you know, he, he didn't look back at his past. His dad didn't leave him a bunch of money. His dad basically left his family without a bunch of money, right? His yeah. dad died young. And... And so Grant had to come up on his own. He had to come up on his own and make it happen. And he made it happen by putting himself out there and working harder than everyone. He is his model's 10x everything. That guy is a savage. Yeah. So I followed him and I followed him. And then I noticed my life started changing. I started becoming more successful in my dealership. And then I started branding myself. Mm -hmm. I started branding myself. See, I was I've been doing I do a lot online. I do a lot online. But I was doing a lot online a long time ago. Yeah. So I was doing a lot online. I was doing live videos right when you first could do live videos. I oh, was really? doing, I posted videos. I was always doing that stuff. And so now, because of 
those fundamentals that Grant taught me. Now it's starting to kind of pay off. I ran into Grant at uh, NADA. It's uh, the largest automobile expo every single year. And I saw him in San Francisco. This was recent? Yeah. yeah. And so I just, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I had to tell Grant this story about what happened in my life. And so I just, you know, we're friendly. You know, we, we kind of go back and forth a little on social. I sent a, you know, I kind of tried to work for him. And I know his, his right-hand man, Jared Glant, and a, and a bunch of people that work, Chris Martinez, people that work for Grant. And so I'm kind of in that circle a little bit. We yeah. see each other online. We support each other. And Grant's the man. My online coach has done work with Grant. So we're kind of, I'm kind of plugged in that way, nice. right? So I had to tell Grant, I said, hey, listen, dude, I want you to know you changed my life. You actually saved my life. I go, I was a guy, a little complacent. Um, Love to make money, but I just, I didn't have that push. You were that push. I listened to you every morning. You taught me to take massive action. You taught me to go all in on real estate. And then I used a, I used a cuss word. So I said, you're a bad mother effer. I'm not going to use the cuss word because my mom could listen to this. Okay. I think I said, <laughs> I think I said the S word earlier, but, but with that being said, Grant goes, Adam, do me a favor. Say that again real quick. Hold on. So he brings over his, because he's got a big entourage, his cr- uh, film crews there, and he has people who goes, say that same thing. You know, and he, I was like, you want me to say like the effort? He's like, yeah. So I, so anyway, I said it. But yeah, Grant is, a, I, I had to tell Grant because Grant Cardone um, has been one of the most influential people in my life. I yeah. mean, without Grant, I don't know where I'd be. I mean, here, it's kind of cliche to say like, you know, a lot of people like say these things about famous people. And yeah, Grant is kind of famous in this business world, but Grant legitimately was somebody who pushed me from a distance. He didn't know. Yeah. He didn't know what he did to me. Right. But he took my business to the next level. Yeah. Dude, that's, I mean, that's such a valuable thing because it's, I think people need to understand that, I mean, you can find a mentor anywhere. And there's they're so, like, widely available now with, with social. There's just so many, Absolutely. you know, Grant Cardone, Ed Milet, Andy Frisella. Like, yep. those, you know, come to mind. And it's like... They're out there giving these lessons that, like, you know, Bedros Coulier, like, that really work. Yep. And and you could just take these lessons immediately and apply them into your life and, yep. and change it. Yep. And the key to that is having an open mind. You've yeah. got to be humble. you got to humble yourself. And you have to have an open mind. So when you take advice and you listen to these mentors because they're readily available, and they give free stuff. I mean, there's free content everywhere. Everywhere. Humble yourself keep an open mind that's how you grow a lot of people are just not willing to do that dude yeah take an honest assessment of yourself and be like fuck like maybe i I am coming up short here like i mean if if you're not living the life that you want to live then you need to audit what you're doing absolutely and you know another thing too gary v yeah gary v is the man one of the principles that i learned from gary v is listen let's not dwell too much about what you suck at yeah all right delegate that crap and what you're really good at, you go hard. And that's, and, and don't get me wrong. Do I want to get better in all aspects of my life? Sure, I do. Yeah. But in the business world, if I'm really good at getting in front of people and closing and kind of making things happen, but I suck at admin type stuff, delegate the admin. Yeah. I've got a partner in my new agency. His name's Steve Oldenberger. Uh, him and I are, we started our own agency and, you know, we, we build wealth for car dealers. We are a one stop shop for a dealer's finance department. We just do everything. And he knows, like, our roles are pretty defined. I'm the sales guy. I'm the guy that's going to set appointments. I'm the one that knows how to train and coach these managers and lead them. Steve has got an MBA. He's an elite level. He ran massive corporations. Just an incredible genius is what this man is. He's the charts and graphs guy. He's admin. Yeah. I'm wealth building. And we're perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect fit. It's a team, man. 
um, like you said, you have to figure out, and that th- it takes humility to be like, you know, what, I'm not good at this, yeah. and um, it doesn't mean you don't try to like, you know, well round yourself, but it's like, hey, like let me find somebody who can we can work together so we can get there together. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, amen. amen to that. Yeah, man, that's um, dude. So many people will will just be held up. I dude, for my own personal life, I I tried that. So I'm I'm redoing my website. And um, it's just to the point where it's like, dude, I gotta hire somebody for this because I don't, ha- I don't have the time to do to like learn what it takes to like. I've got a guy. Yeah, <laughs> dude, for real. I got I'll, a few. Actually, I got some good ones. If you need some help on that, for those. real, dude, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll uh, plug in with those guys because it's just like, man, I gotta get this done, and uh, I can't do it myself. You just gotta start, you know, delegating those those tasks, man. Um, Grant Cardone, what's one of your favorite? Like, which which book do you like the best of his? If you're not first, your last was one of the first ones. Uh, you know, uh, Grant Cardone. His message is pretty dang similar. Yeah, all this stuff. on all of them. Yeah, I yeah. mean, Grant Cardone. Uh, it's it's do whatever it takes. Yeah, uh, obscurity will kill your business. Yeah, people need to know you, not necessarily like you. It's important that they just know you. Yeah, right? uh, and then just the massive action piece. I mean, here it's Grant Cardone is speaks a pretty similar message with all of his stuff. Right. It's get out there, quit feeling sorry for yourself. This world's not fair. Take from the world what's yours. If somebody gets in your way, gently move them out of your way. Yeah, do one hundred percent. And I say, I mean, I love his Seller Be Sold book. And yeah, that's talked, a good book too. Yeah, we talked about it before, and I just want to share it just for the, for the listeners, really, man, because like I, the biggest takeaway for me was like you have an obligation to be like to sell, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Like if you truly provide the best product or service then you're doing yourself and them a disservice by not selling your product or service absolutely like you're helping them so like don't look at it any other way than that you know what i mean yep sales is sales and everywhere sales it doesn't matter what you do there's something being sold i mean you go to walmart right yeah go to wherever you go groceries dearbergs i mean there's sale there's sales being made right then yeah you need a pair of shoes there's a sale being made people need transportation people need houses it doesn't matter insurance everything is sellable yeah so, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I'm not a salesperson. I don't feel comfortable being a salesperson. No, you're a liar. You're already a salesperson. You yeah. just don't know that. Yeah. Yeah, you're just probably not doing a very good job of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, do you journal? I don't journal as much as I used to, but I do journal. I have a, a little planner every day, and I'll write some stuff in it. I, I write little notes along the way. Yeah. My wife journals much more effective than I do. Okay. Do yeah. you have, like, a daily task list? I do. So, every single day, I'll structure it out. I've got my rising grind planner that Glenn Lundy uh, sent me, and it by it starts at 4:30 a.m. and it goes to 10:30. That 4:30 is just there. I mean, there's some mornings I'll see it, not really. I mean, there's some mornings I'll see it, but really five 5:30 is where I'll start etching things in because that yeah. first half hour I leave kind of just devotion and get my stuff together. And I'll just write that in there. But yeah, I plan out days. If I if you don't plan out the day, structure, organization, and discipline are the most important things to start any foundation. That's your foundation. Yeah. And by structuring your day, like I talked about batching, mm-hmm. you know, batching your work and having a schedule, that's the, the, the most effective way to get things done. Okay, cool. So, so who, um, who are some of your like other uh, like motivators or people that you look to as like, a mentor? You know, John Maxwell in my opinion, is the greatest leader that's ever walked the planet. Uh, uh, J- John Maxwell is the man. I mean, he is all about leadership and communication, mm-hmm. how to how to really lead people. Tony Robbins, I mean, here, a lot of people say, oh, Tony Robbins, he's the man. Tony Robbins is an incredible communicator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Gary Vee is one of the guys, and of course, I've talked about Grant. Uh, a guy by the name of Logan Stout, though. Uh, Logan, Logan is a businessman out of Texas, Dallas, Texas area. Frisco, actually. He owns a company called ID Life. It's a wellness company. Okay. Uh, owns a company called the Dallas Patriots. It's a it's a baseball league for youth. Um, he 
has owned several companies. The guy's an elite performer, and his coach is John Maxwell. So it's kind of the same philosophy. Logan's, I think, a year older than me, and has just been uber successful. And it's all about servant leadership. He taught me how to be a servant leader, how to put people first and profits show up. Yeah. Because it's amazing. With It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um, if you genuinely put people before yourself always, and it's about them, yeah, profits show up. 100% man, if you're giving. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And Logan has been an, an extremely influential person. I got to meet him in Chicago a year ago, which was awesome. He's my mentor. I'm in his mentorship program. Um, one of the most incredible guys I've ever met. Dude, so you, I mean, you obviously um, invest in, like, your education and yourself and, like, your development. Uh, why don't you talk about, like, how important that is and it's extremely some of the important. things that you're doing. Extremely important. So uh, there was a guy I didn't mention. Uh, his name's Ken Walls. Ken Walls is a guy that I look up to greatly. So he's my, my social media coach. Okay. And he's not cheap. Um, he is extremely good. He knows how to place people and position people and connect people. And he's just incredible. When I screw something up online or I'm not storytelling enough, because storytelling is everything in sales. Oh, and if spiral. I'm not telling that story, he'll tell me, dude, get a grip, Adam. And he can, he calls me out. Yeah. Like he, there's, we, we have a deal. He, there's no punches held. There's days I want to punch him, yeah, but I don't. Right? <laughs> but 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 Ken's the man, and so Ken's been that guy to really coach me and lead me and connect me. Yeah, dude. As a leader, if if you aren't holding, uh, you know, the people that you're, you know, that you're teaching, that you're leading, if you're not holding them accountable and to a standard, um, then then you don't care. Like holding people to, like holding them accountable. It shows that you care. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's like, dude, like, what are you doing? Get it together. Like, I care about you. I want you to succeed. This is why I'm hard on you. Yep. So if, if somebody, I used to have a coach in high school. It's like if 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 I'm if I'm hard on you, it means like like you, like you should be okay with that. Like the moment that I stop talking to you, then that, you should be worried. You should be worried. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, accountability um, is absolutely necessary. And I've got a dealer group in St. Louis that I work with, and you know I hold this huge group accountable. And there's a few people that don't like it, but if there's no accountability, you can't move that needle. I mean, right. you got to move the needle. And yeah. a lot of times people do things their way and they float around and do life their way. But accountability is necessary. Yeah. And the dealerships that I see that fail are failing is because there's no accountability. Yeah. I mean, you got to have accountability. 100%. 100%. Um, what, uh, what, what are some books that you recommend? I mean, we've talked about a couple of books. You know, your favorite books that you so I, there's a few books that I, we talked a little earlier, uh, a little about Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week. Yeah. That book can really help you take a look at your life. Yeah. Um, decide what's important. How, how, how hard or smart are you working? Um, that book is incredible. And I, I highly recommend people read that book. Uh, the subtle art of not giving a, yeah, that book it's a good book, too. I still haven't checked that one out. It's on my list. Absolutely do. It's a quick read. I read it uh, one leg on a flight, and I'm going to tell you. It allows you to slow down and really think about it, man. And yeah. It's like, really, what? who cares? Like, worrying about what other people think yeah. is detrimental. Doesn't I matter. mean, it doesn't matter. No. As long as you're kind and you're humble and you're putting people first and you're doing the right thing and you're minding your business and taking care of people – what else does it matter? Yeah. And so that book right there really gave me a good perspective, and that helped me. And, then of course, I read the Bible. I like to read the Bible on a daily basis. Okay. Uh, the Bible, you know, for those that aren't religious, it's just a good book. I mean, there are stories and lessons that you can use, and I love it. And yeah. so, and then with that being said, you know, Grant, I love audibles. Oh, I love yeah. audible books. I like to listen. Yeah, man. I do a lot of audible books. Yeah. And so it's really nice, you know, especially if you're in a car, throw in a book. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Have you uh, have you read um, Tribes by Sebastian, or maybe it's just Tribe by Sebastian Younger? I haven't, but I've been recommended that book. Dude, it's so good. And on Audible, it's only like three hours, just a quick. Yeah. Book, dude, it's so good. The Power of Now, I just finished uh, by Edgar Tolley. Okay. Uh, that's a that's a solid Audible. It's it's a long one. It's some, it's kind of dry. Yeah. <laughs> some of them are, <laughs> some of them are tough, but you know. Yeah, dude, you gotta be careful with some of those Audible books. Yeah. Um, I just ordered the Four Agreements. Um, I'm gonna read that one. I know it's a quick read. I, I already know. The the gist of it but i really want to definitely check that out one book i will highly recommend uh this is for everyone uh, it's a book called tribe of mentors um mm. tim ferris interviews like 163 elite professionals oh yeah and it's one of those books that's like chapters it's like three pages two pages it's a, each segment yeah so you can get into it on a daily basis read Read, read a chapter, yeah. Read. It's a great book. Yeah, man. Just yeah, Tim. I love his writing style. It's um, it's very easy to read. Well, that, and I'm kind of a modern day stoic. Yeah. Uh, and and with his views on stoicism and his views on martial arts, and I mean, we fit. Yeah. Like his thought, you know, he's he's a martial artist. Yeah. You know, uh, he's not as good as you, <laughs> but he's a martial artist, and the guy's got a lot of. He's got good perspective. Uh, he really does. Yeah, man. Um, have you read uh, what the obstacle is the way? I have not. It's a good book. It's just more about, I can't remember who wrote that. Matt? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But either way, it's more, you know, those stoic principles. Yeah. Um, just, you know, essentially saying that whenever you've come to an obstacle and, you know, we tend to try to avoid those, it's like you should fucking face that head on. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And like, that's where the growth is. That's where you get better. Absolutely. Instead of like taking the path to avoid that. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, so when, uh, what, what, what got you into jujitsu? I mean, so your hardcore business dude. I love martial arts. And so my, it started in high school. I started kickboxing. I had a oh, buddy okay. of mine said, Hey, go with me to O'Fallon, Illinois. And first couple times I went in there, I was like, this is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. And then I started like getting my butt kicked a little bit. Right. Cause yeah. if you're, if you're not used to sparring and they had me sparring like way too soon, I think. Okay. But if you're not used to it, and you've not really boxed another boxer, you get lit up. And it oh, just, yeah. it doesn't, it, it, demor it demoralizes you. So I had a short stint with kickboxing. Uh, he kind of went, he quit going to this gym, so I quit going with him. I did it for like six months. I got out of it. And then my, when I was 21, there was an MMA gym that just went down the road from my dealership called Pro Gym. Mike Griffin went over there. Guys like Todd Murphy, Scott Ventimiglia, Brad Jones, James and Jason Autry, uh, a bunch of people trained there. And so I started going into there, and it kind of split up. That's when the war room was. So what happened was Pro Gym, Mike kind of went one way, and war room, Brad and all those other guys developed war room. Okay. So I stuck around a little bit. There and what I was fascinated was I went in there. I thought I was tough, still not tough. Thought I was tough back then, and I went in and I got crushed by a guy named I love Todd. Todd's a great friend. Todd Murphy, just destroyed my existence. I mean, I think I got caught like in fifteen submissions in like three rounds. Yeah. I just, I just like wow, but I fell in love. Yeah. I left that day and said wow. I love jujitsu. Yeah, and man. so I got consistent and then I started doing some MMA, did a couple fights, did some yeah. boxing fights, some kickboxing fights. And then I was like, I kind of liked it, but I really loved my profession. And what happened was I would show up with black eyes and beat up so much. I was just beat up all, all the, time, the time, all the time. Yeah. So I would start my introduction with my customer. Like, here, by the way, 
you know, I'm a, a mixed martial artist. I do jujitsu, and I don't like fight people. Like I just do it for practice, right? So I just don't. And so my customers loved it. They love it. They loved it. They come in my it. office and see Hoist Gracie stuff, and Matt. They were like, "Wow!" And then it helped me. Oh yeah, it helped me. And then, like we talked earlier, you know, it's very difficult to be successful in a martial art if you want to be a fighter. You need to commit to being a fighter. Oh yeah, I was never a fighter. I mean, I'm a fighter. But I'm not a fighter. Like I'm not it's you. Different. Like you were. You took your pro career and you got serious with it. I just didn't have that commitment level with MMA. Right. But I got into promoting MMA. Um, that's how I developed an incredible relationship with Mike Rogers. Okay. Uh, so I made the decision to start a promotion company in 2006. I was one of three licensed promoters in the state of Illinois. Back oh. then, I was doing a pro fight every 90 days. Really? You know, Jesse Finney, I, I, I spent some time training over his school. Jesse's a guy I've always admired looked up to. Jesse's a hell of a guy that I just, I learned a lot of business from Jesse. Oh, he's a hell of a business. Oh, guy. he's incredible. He's one of the best. He's a winner, man. Love Jesse Finney. He's my boy. So I said, all right, well, let me do this over here. And I crushed it. I crushed it. I did pro fights, sold out so many shows back to back to back. And I made a deal with Mike Rogers. Mark Fiore and Steve Knogel at CMMA at the time. Okay. And then we had War Room. So I went in and I and I Mark Fiore was like, here, if you give me a couple pro fights every show, you get all my amateurs. I said, All right, Fiore. Me and Fiore got really close. Mike Rogers. To this day, he was the best, the best to me. You know, when you're starting a promotion and you're wanting people to fight for you, people just push you off. Because, I mean, there's a lot of shows to fight on, right? Yeah. And especially amateur level. So getting amateurs and quality amateur, amateurs from a quality camp, that's key. You, these self-trained guys, they don't show up. Yeah. So getting Mike Rogers and, like, Mark Fiori on board, best thing ever. So Mike Rogers, same thing. I gave, you know, Benoist fought for me, Rice House fought for me, Alp fought, all those guys. I had all their post Which promotion was yours, dude? Uh, I was Take That Promotions and then Premier Combat League. Okay. So I had all of their guys, and then I got all their amateurs. So I had all the Emmys, and then Steve Knogel, same thing with CMMA. I gave Sal Woods, and I gave some of their guys pro fights, yeah. and I got their Emmys. And then I had War Rooms pros and Emmys. So I had four camps. I didn't get a lot of love from Jesse. Jesse was doing his own thing. No worries. Jesse, I didn't get really get any of his fighters. Steve Berger helped out a little bit. But those four camps, Mike Rogers hooked me up. He, Everybody always showed up on time. Everybody yeah. always showed up on weight. And you guys kicked butt. <laughs> you guys were good. <laughs> yeah, so. we had a good camp. Um, dude, so how long did you do that for? So 2006 to 2014, I had to get out. Okay. State of Illinois got way too greedy. Yeah. And you know, I, is not I had problem. to, I hear it. We were, I was making big money and I'll never forget uh, my first show battle at the Ben one, Bethalto, Illinois. I sold 1200 tickets before we opened the doors. Oh shit, dude. That's a hell of a show. Uh, 1200 tickets before I opened the door. Yeah. Uh, and then I decided to do some standing room only and pack some people in. So my business partner shows up at my dealership. That Tuesday, we waited till Tuesday to reconcile. He brought me in a Velveeta box, and he wrapped it, and I had nothing but hundreds stacked into this thing. So our first show, I'm, I'll tell people what I made now. I don't want to tell people then. Yeah. Our first show, we made, oh, uh, shoot, like $50,000 profit. Profit. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's a hell of a show, man. Yeah. That's that's the thing that it was. It was in for. the Ford. It was not 50. It, we, we got a cut on liquor. We got There was a lot of places we got money. It was like 40, 46 grand is what we made. But that was a, that right then I was like, okay, like there's a lot let's potential. do this. Yeah, dude, that's the payday a lot of people are chasing, but they never got. Yeah, and so the key is, though, it would have never, ever have happened if I didn't pr pay my pros. I was paying pros a thousand and a thousand back then. 
Dude, I was yeah. pay, I paid everybody. Yeah. And I made sure. Well, the thing is, it would have never have worked out if it wasn't for Mike Rogers, Mark Fiore, Steve Knogle, uh, Brad Jones, and Scott Ventimiglia at the world. It would have never have worked out if it wasn't for them. Yeah, those yeah, guys. Those relationships. It was the relationships. It was the right people in the right places. We just did a great job. I yeah. mean, everybody. It was a team effort. We just did a great job as a whole. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, man. So then, I mean, you probably learned a ton of lessons there. And then you taught just... me a business. Best thing I if you if you want to learn business, become a fight promoter. <laughs> because I was matching fights. Yeah. I was marketing. I was advertising. I was social media. I did everything. Mm-hmm. I set the tables up. I freaking hired. I, I mean we did everything. Oh yeah. And you learn business. Because if you don't get people to show up, you're not making any money. So getting people there is difficult. And then putting the fight card together, my God, you couldn't pay me ever to do that again. Dude, that cool. was, I mean, pro fight, bring me a pro. I'll do pros. Amateur fight card, absolutely not. I lost 10 years of my life uh, on amateur yeah. uh, fighters. Dude, I've had I've had guys just on, on cards that I fought on, like, show up to weigh-ins, talking shit, and then not show up to the fight. It's like there's certain amateurs are just so unreliable. Yeah, and that's why you get them out of the camp. You get them out of the hit squad, or you get you know that's, yeah. you got to get them out of the camp because otherwise they don't show up. Yeah, man. Some of those just you know they're training in their garage or some backcountry gym or something. And you know what? And some promoters get in a tough spot where you need to fill a fight. You got a guy say you're an amateur and you sold eighty tickets. Yeah. And then your fighter backs out. That's the worst nightmare. Yeah. For everyone, it happens. Too. So then you got to find the guy that smokes cigarettes, that's freaking <laughs> jump roping outside, that can't even, you know. I yeah. mean, you, it just, you know. You know and I, I wanted to show make show must go on. And that's one thing that I can say, we were really proud of. We just didn't let anybody fight. You know, we put together legitimate cards. We cared about the quality of the product, and nice. that's why we were successful. Nice, nice, nice. So I mean, obviously, you have a love for you know martial arts, and oh, yeah. you still. You know, continue that today with jujitsu. Absolutely, you have a gym now, right? Yes, absolutely. So Kyle Watson's my coach, my mentor, and I didn't say he's one of my mentors too. Uh, Kyle, you know, I I didn't part from the war room. So like, the war room's still like family to me. But yeah. I wanted to take another path with jujitsu. I didn't know the war room was still there. I used to yeah. go out there and and uh, like on Fridays that we would do. He like they have the gym. big sparring. So yeah. the war room. I don't I don't know a whole lot of what's going on down there now. I do. I need to catch up with Brad yeah. soon. Uh, we just talked the other day. We're gonna get together. But John Mankey was hired by Brad to yeah. go in there, and I was at the time I was a white belt. I'd started under Kyle. I was when Kyle moved from Hit Squad to his location on a Force Park Avenue. I was one of the first students there. I mean, I was st- with Kyle since the beginning of that move. Yeah. And I still trained though at the War Room a couple days a week under John Mankey, and then I learned so much from John Mankey. Dude, and he's like the king of he's, drills. He's, 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 he's psycho, man. Oh, I mean, his, he is, he's a brilliant, brilliant man on the mat. And oh, yeah. So a combination of having him there, and then I had to go another direction because at the War Room, they really weren't offering jiu-jitsu and a gi. And I love gi, and I love no gi. I love jiu-jitsu. I think people should do both. I just think you should do both. Mm-hmm. So I went over to Watson's and just committed over there, and I've been with Watson ever since 100%. And, you know, I've always wanted to open my own place and an opportunity came about. It, the timing wasn't perfect, but it was perfect. It, it never was, is, though. <laughs> true. And I was taking my career. You know, I just left my. <laughs> I just left my job after you know I retired from my dealership, um, and I was starting another company. And 
I wasn't ready to open another business, but the opportunity came at Nautilus Fitness Center. I've got partnerships there with those guys. Great, great incredible health club in, in Alton. And I've got the upstairs, and I've got uh, just beautiful. I Fuji matted the whole place, cleaned. I've got a beautiful gym. And my focus on this was, okay, I grew up in fight clubs. I grew up in gyms that were not cool. I mean, they weren't like families wouldn't show up. I mean, quite frankly, most people didn't want to show up to these gyms. They're fight clubs, man. You go yeah. to a war room, war room, you just fought. Lots of sparring, lots of hardcore training, and which you're used to. Oh, yeah. But it's not for everyone. Right. So how do I, my, my idea, and my, I'm looking at it from a business perspective, I wanted to eradicate any negative stigma of MMA or kickboxing or you know fight clubs. I want a super clean facility. I yeah. want my facility... I'm, I'm very, my, my general manager, Aaron, understands my pet peeve is spotless. It's important. Jim's got to be clean. Yeah. And I just want a friendly atmosphere. Court Wall is my savior. He's a good guy. Court's my savior. Yeah. Court's my brother. <laughs> so Court and I had an opportunity to, to do this deal at this gym. And so I called Brad, and Brad was, Court was kind of teaching one day a week, and I didn't want to step on any toes. So I called Brad. I said, hey, Brad, I know Court talked about quitting. I think he already quit on you. He reached out to me. Can I sit? Do you mind if I sit with him and talk to him? I wanted the blessing first from Brad. I was not going to do it without that blessing. Brad said, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. I sat down with Court. We're on the same page. Court is a brilliant martial artist, and he's brilliant with the youth program. He's yeah. built this youth program. And we have a freaking really cool academy. I mean, we're, I mean, we're, we're I mean, here there's nights we have 24 guys in jiu-jitsu. I yeah. mean, we're little, I mean, we're little. You're growing. And there's, there's small nights, there's 10 and 12. I mean, yeah. so we've got a legitimate, and we're basic technique where one size fits all. I don't care if you're, uh, you know, Adam Meredith, high-level pro, or your first guy, you can come into this class and you can fit right into the basics because yeah. it's basics. We do a lot of technique. I like drilling. I, like if I'm on butterfly sweeps, we're going to do 100 butterfly sweeps. That's how you get better. Yeah. Reps. Yeah, and then what I'll do is we'll drill, we'll drill, and then we'll positionally spar that move. Instead yeah. of just going straight to the sparring like old school, like we used to, let's positionally spar the move that we worked on. I want you working that. And so that's what we do, and we're having success there. Yeah. Now, did you partner also with uh, Steve and, and Josh McKinney on this? Or? So, no. So it's a separate entity. Now, we're all under the same umbrella. We're all family, and we're all team, right? But head nod. Uh, St- Josh and I had a little partnership in Head Knot Squad, yeah, and which we still kind of do. We decided not to take that to the next level because too much going on. There's a time you just have to agree to throw in a towel on certain projects. One hundred percent. I man. gave away seventy thousand dollars in 2017. Well, I gave away seventy thousand bucks. Okay. Oh shit. Josh McKinney had to tell me to stop giving money away. I was sponsoring everybody. It, there was not a lot of reciprocation. Yeah. It's amazing how people will take and not give. Now, with that being said, Josh and I, you know, we have that relationship, right? But Josh and Steve McKinney own Head Not HQ. Okay. Kyle's is Kyle's, and then mine is mine. Okay, so Head Not HQ is at a different location. Absolutely. Head Not HQ, which I'll tell you, on on Sundays, if you want to get hard sparring in, Sunday's the day. Got it. They, every Sunday at 1030, like every school's always welcome, and it's just like Josh has got a really good thing going over there. They're competition based team. I mean, they're yeah. They beat up our guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got some here. I know. Hopefully, some of my guys listen to this. They're getting good too. They're not beating up all my guys, but Josh's guys are mean. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're just, bullies. They they crush your legs. They're gonna ankle. I mean, they're gonna go at you. Yeah. Yeah, you it's know? just a different style of training. Yeah, and yeah. Josh is just an elite beast of a competitor, so yeah. that's what he's instilling in that gym. I got gym. it. I got it, yeah. And, dude, I just love jiu-jitsu. It's just such a beautiful community. I mean, like you said, you've. I'm sure there's probably 
probably several different times where you can think of where you've you've mixed you know jujitsu with business. You know what I mean? Like you know, always travel with a gi. You know what I mean? Always travel with a gi. Jujitsu is. It's the equalizer. People are one. I mean, even when ma- jujitsu matches. I mean, you guys are. John Mickey said it to me. He's like, dude, you guys think about this. Competent. You're just brothers. You guys are brothers that love the same thing. Yeah. That just have to compete against each other. Yeah. And, and it's true. We all love the same thing. Yeah. And I don't know about you. I I used to fantasize about my matches. Like I did so much competing over the last six years. It's just nonstop. But I fantasize about jujitsu. Oh uh, yeah. I lay down in bed and I think about this new move I'm working. How am I going to take the back from here? What? I just fantasize about. I just fantasize about jujitsu. Yeah, dude. Or I mean, another way to put that you know, visualization. Like you have like a visualization practice to yeah. where you know, like during meditation. I remember um, I had a wrestling coach. He took us through one of the hardest fucking wrestling practices ever. At the end. Um, it was kind of like a meditation and visualization. Like he he made us wrestle a perfect match against whoever that person was for you. Um, for me at that time it was Duran Win, like in first state, and it was like, all right, I'm gonna wrestle. I'm gonna go through every minute of this match and just wrestle in your mind, right? So, visualization visualization is a powerful tool. Yes, I feel. absolutely. Because the mind's stronger than the body. If you get in the mind, because I've lost jujitsu matches because of my head. I mean, yeah. I've I've. I and I and the last few times I've competed, I don't nothing bothers me now. Like yeah. I'm just so sound in my brain. But I I remember several times like sizing a guy up in the bullpen. Maybe that guy's real tall and big. And I'm like, oh great, I don't have to deal with it. You know what I'm saying? The mind. The second that happens, you've lost. Right. You've yeah. lost. Yeah. You know. It is, dude. It's a lot of it's mental. It is a lot of mental. Yeah. In all in all areas of life. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's just it's mentally committing. Like I really believe that you have to like train the mind first, and you know having. Uh, you know, having that belief in yourself and that commitment, like it will take your body so far. Absolutely, and you know the the jujitsu. My principles on how I train all of my managers and car dealerships are based on the mats. Yeah, like I've got my curriculum. My blueprint is road to black belt, road to F and I black belt. Yeah, and so I teach. I talk to uh, I talk to owners of dealerships and GMs. I say, here you got white belt manager, you got blue belt managers, purple belt managers, brown belt managers, and you got your black belt manager. Yeah, I'm a black belt F and I guy, and I want to get your guys the black belt. Let me show you where you're at and how to get there. And I have a blueprint based on jujitsu. Yeah, it's all jujitsu. It ties in together. That's powerful. It is. Well, brother, um, I'm gonna wrap this up. Um, I don't want to hold you up any longer. I really appreciate you yeah. taking the time out of your day for this. Um, I'm gonna leave the floor to you, dude. If there's um anything that you want to you know plug promote, how can people get a hold of you? Your socials, um, websites, sponsors, yeah. whatever. You yeah, pretty easy to find. Uh, you can just find me on Facebook pretty easily. Just Adam Marburger. If you're on Instagram, Adam P. Marburger. Um, and here, I love to connect. I think that, uh, you know, we're better together. I think if you truly want to grow in life, you got to grow with people that want to grow. Find yeah. like-minded people. Be willing to sit at the table with the greats and try to be the least experienced guy at that table if possible. 100%. And I'll put your links in the show notes. Absolutely. Too, so. I appreciate that. All right, brother. Until next right, time, man, everybody. I, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it.